Beloved listeners, I hope all is vibrant for you and your loved ones. I'm Samara Concepcion, the director of the emerging documentary film Birth, a new story, which explores birth beyond the industrial model and restores our lost sense of reverence for the significance of birth. It's a pleasure to share these live interviews with you, which were recorded during our successful crowdfunding campaign in June 2022. For more information and film updates, find us at birthandnewstory.com. And now, enjoy the conversation. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for being here with us. I'm Samara Concepcion, and I'm here in conversation with Sheila Kamara Hay. Sheila's an ecstatic birth advocate. Uh, an incredible teacher, a childbirth and sex educator, and a mother of three. I'm beyond excited to be having this conversation with Sheila about the new story of birth and what is possible for families through pregnancy and birth. What I most love about Sheila's work is that it opens the possibility for birth to be an ecstatic, joyful, and life-affirming experience. And really that's how nature intends birth to be. When we look into the hormonal physiology of birth, the fine orchestration of birth hormones that flow through a woman's body when she's giving birth, we recognize that those same hormones also flow through a woman's body uh, when during sexual intimacy and orgasm. So to me, that lets us know that birth and sex are not separate. In fact, birth might even be a sexual act, as Sheila teaches. But I'll just clarify one thing, um, that these birth hormones that I'm referring to will actually not flow through a woman's body unless she feels safe, unobserved, undisturbed, uninhibited, and truly able to follow her innate body wisdom. And so this, you know... This matters because how many women feel like that these days in birth? Sadly, not many. And that's for a whole lot of reasons, which we won't really cover here. But, you know, in essence, we've been um, projecting a whole lot of fear and limiting beliefs on birth, which really um, has informed the way we hold, we hold space for birth today. And really the way we hold space for birth today is not really conducive to physiological birth. But if we were to shift our focus and prioritize how a woman, how a birthing woman feels during birth, we would certainly see um, that birth tends to unfold in a very different way when that's the case. And so Sheila, you specialize in helping women to prepare for birth with their highest pleasure in mind. Mm. Um, and I'm wondering how did that come to you and why is this important to you? Well, I think like a lot of us that have an activation in a field, it comes from my own personal experience. My first birth was pretty traumatic took me a long time to recover from that. And so I have the embodied experience of what it's like to enter motherhood, trying to heal from an experience that was, you know, traumatic. 
And I also have in my own journey, the embodied experience of what it's like when you have a birth where you're really connected to your body, you're really connected to your pleasure, you're connected to your primal wisdom. You let, you know, like the same way you just beautifully articulated, you have the experience of, of all your hormones working in your favor and feeling the ecstasy unfold and then seeing how that transmits into your motherhood on the other side. So for me, um, having had the embodied experience of both the trauma and the ecstasy and seeing like really how it reverberated into my motherhood, it's such a profound difference. You know, I think birth, we tend to think of it as, as this moment in time, and it is to some extent, it's a rite of passage, but it has ramifications that go way beyond the moment of birth itself, both for the mom and for the baby. And so I really came about this work in my own healing journey. I could not get pregnant again. Uh, after my first child, I had a series of losses um, and I couldn't figure out like, well, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? There was always this feeling that my body had betrayed me in some way. And so I had to take a journey to really like go within. I went to all the doctors, then I went to all the naturopaths and, you know, healers. And, and the thing that actually, um, you know, I was told over and over and over again, oh, it's just bad luck. You're fine. Nothing's wrong with you. But the thing that actually opened up a whole new window for me was learning how to connect to my body and learning how to connect to the wisdom within. And when I checked in with my body and I said, what's going on? <laughs> Why is this happening? My body was very clear. My body said, I'm not ready to have another baby. I'm still healing from the first. You know, I had been guided from this like very mental, rational place. Okay, my son is one year old. I want to have another. I don't want him to be nine years apart. Like I was with my sibling that was so lonely. I want my kids to grow up. To, like very mental, rational. And so learning how to bring it down into my body, like feel myself as a biological being, as a whole being, not just a mental, rational being was really, really key. And around the, that time I was um, enrolled in working with like very involved with a school for pleasure in New York city known as Mama Gina school of womanly arts. And I was learning all about pleasure. I was learning like about sensual expansion, the journey of like learning to feel in your body, learning, to feel pleasure, learning to expand that pleasure, letting that pleasure flow through you. And what really, really struck me was the language of natural birth and the language of sensual and orgasmic expansion was one and the same. So there was a lot of focus on sensation, being in your body, being really present. Um, the tools were the same, breath, sound, movement, visualization. And the anatomy is the same. The physiology is the same. The hormones are the same as you articulated. So uh, along my journey or my, you know, I had a second birth that was like a deep reclamation and really starting to understand what's needed for us to give birth in the way you described, what's needed to feel safe, what's needed to allow my body to do my thing, what kind of support do I want? Um, and that was beautiful. And afterwards, I was just like a glow with the feeling of, oh my gosh, this is possible. Like I can do this. My body can do this. I had all the hormones flowing through me. Afterwards, it was like, people would say, it's like there's a light coming out through your face. But I hadn't really, I couldn't really say I had enjoyed the process of labor, right? 
I could say I had the like deep pleasure, satisfaction, ecstasy on the other side of having my baby in my arms, having had this beautiful, glorious, natural birth, but I couldn't really say I had enjoyed the process of labor. And so for my third birth, I wanted to know what that was about. And so I used all the pleasure tools I was learning, all the tools of sensual expansion to really train my body for pleasure. And it was very interesting because even though I was training for pleasure and I had this idea, you know, of what might be possible. And now given this was 15 years ago, there was nothing on the internet. There was nothing anywhere about pleasurable birth. And in every natural childbirth book I would read, there'd be one line that said something like, some women experience heightened states of bliss, ecstasy, even orgasm when they're giving birth. So I had this idea of what that would be like, but actually my third birth completely transcended that. So I, I, I had a conception that it could be, you know, orgasmic and kind of the traditional way that we define orgasm. But the experience that I actually had was so much bigger. It was so much higher. And that's why I like the word ecstasy, because I think it includes the wide variation of experience. And I remember afterwards just being so emotional about, like, why didn't I know? Like, here I was, I was preparing for pleasure and birth. And still, like, I, I, I could not have conceived of what I experienced. So it kind of became this theme of, like, why didn't I know? And why doesn't every woman know? And so, so grateful that, you know, you're on this journey alongside me, that you're creating this beautiful film, that, you know, now there's a glorious, growing community of people who really want to get the word out about what's possible in birth, really advocating to create conditions to really support the birthing mom and really like you said opening the door for possibilities right because if you don't even know that you know ecstasy and birth is a possibility pleasure and birth is a possibility like it's just not possible for you right so opening those doors of possibility for people everywhere mm, absolutely and then that so there's the knowing that it's possible um kelly brogan and i were talking about you know the it's not just knowing it's it's feeling it's feeling what is possible through kind of encountering people who are able to embody that for you, right? Yeah. To almost have you feel what is possible. And then once we know there's a practice, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's not just about the knowing and the feeling of what is possible. Yeah. It's about it's about where we are where we are at now and where we wanna where we want to be. And that's yeah. something that I learned um, so beautifully through your work, Sheila, is that we can always continue to deepen into pleasure mm -hmm. to deepen into sensation and really it's a daily i mean it's a regular practice right if we want to and your your story is such a beautiful example of that that the with every birth you deepened into the field of possibilities of what what was there for you yeah yeah and you know what you what you're triggering in my mind is this idea that like, how do you prepare for birth? How do you actually, you know, we know that first births tend to be more difficult for moms because it's a new experience. It's an unexpected experience. You can't really conceive of what it's like until you've gone through it. So after that, it tends to, generally speaking, get a little bit easier each time. <laughs> I have a cousin who, um, she's pretty religious. She's on her eighth kid. 
and she births like a per like she can she's having orgasmic births like it's so easy she's at home and it's <laughs> this beautiful sensual spiritual experience and i'm looking at her, i'm like wow if everyone could have like the amount of practice that she's had like ever like orgasmic births for everybody right um but obviously most people aren't going to be having six seven eight kids and so when you start to consider like how do you actually practice like how do you actually prepare your body for birth um that journey of like sensual expansion like learning to feel learning to feel pleasure learning how you can use pleasure to support you when things are feeling intense that's a body training and that's mm -hmm. something that is not only incredibly useful for childbirth it's incredible for life it's incredible for your felt experience as you live in your body as you move through your days um it's not about like a performance it's more about where's your attention and your awareness as you're living your life and when you hit those spots of intensity you know which in labor is a contraction and you can feel like your you know your uterus is contracting maybe you're a little bit scared so your whole body is contracting when you feel those spots of contraction, how can you bring flow? So you're instead of, you know, kind of resisting and fighting the contractions, how can you bring more flow, blood flow, oxygen flow, energy flow into your body? And this is useful, you know, in and out of the birthing room. This is useful, you know, when you have a fight with your lover or you're navigating a difficult situation, because the more you can support your body and your nervous system with those things, the, the less you struggle, the more you're able to kind of flow through to the other side, which is one of, I think, the big lessons that birth really teaches us. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to kind of dive a little bit deeper into the importance of birth preparation, I've heard you speak, I've heard you say a couple of times that birth preparation begins the day we are born. Yeah. And I love this because I think a whole lot of us only really think about pregnancy and birth once we are pregnant or once we're about to give birth, right? Without really recognizing that actually our whole lives and our life experiences have been informing how we perceive mm -hmm. pregnancy, birth and parenting, and certainly how we perceive and relate to our bodies. So I'd love you to tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, your body is your sexuality. I mean, your first imprint of birth happens when you're born, right? Like you have a, an embodied understanding of what birth is. It's not rational, it's not cognitive, but it exists in your cells. And after mm -hmm. that, you know, the messages that you internalize about your body, about your, um, your genitalia, about your period, your cycles, your uterus, this is all very interrelated. And of course, like what are the stories that you've been hearing uh, about birth? from your family, your loved ones, your community? What are the images you've been seeing about birth in the media? You know, I would say until recently, it was a huge stigma to talk about pleasure in birth. I've, I've had many, many women come up to me after I give a talk and say, you know, I actually had an orgasmic birth and I was really ashamed. I thought I did something wrong, right? Um, a big piece of you know, the healing that we need to do individually and collectively has to do with our relationship to our bodies and our sexuality. And I think sexuality to a large extent still lives very much in the shadows, still very much kept separate from babies and children. And, but that's how our babies are conceived, right? So 
at its essence, sexuality is as sacred as it comes, right? Like that's how we conceive new life. That's how a new soul comes onto the planet. It's so sacred. Um, and yet there's like a bit of a rift, I think, in, in every one of us, you know, growing up in this culture. And so that comes up, right? You know, I, a lot of women will go into birth scared of what's going to happen to their bodies physically, what their sexual experience will be like afterwards, what their partner will think of them afterwards. So all of this comes into play. And so when you're preparing for birth, it's like a mind, body, soul, like everything experience. It's not just learning about the process of birth, which is really, really good. Like I'm all about knowledge is power. And I think every, every um, you know, family, expecting family should take a, a birth class and really understand like the physiology of birth and the stages of labor, but it's not enough. And we already know that even just at that basic level, I think the statistic is something like only 20% of people will actually take a birthing class. So already we know there's like a whole lot of education that's not happening. But even if you are doing that, that's just like the very basic layer. And you're not going to be able to birth in your mind. You're not going to be able to be like, okay, I recognize which stage I'm in. So now I have to do X, Y, and Z to get to the next stage. No, birth is a body trip. You have to be in your body. And that's a whole other training, right? Because we don't really live in our bodies, most of us. Most of us are in our minds thinking about, you know, the past, the future, what we have to do next, what's going on. And we're constantly overriding the messages of our body. And, you know, we've all been in that place where we had to eat. We're like, nope, I'm busy later. Or we have to use the bathroom. It's like, not now, <laughs> you know, inconvenient, right? So this is just like a very basic example of how we are constantly overriding our body. So, you know, big piece of the training is also like learning how to be in the body, learning how to hear and feel the messages of the body and following that in birth, because that's going to be essential. Like your body's constantly speaking to you. Your body wants to feel good. And if you're really connected to your body and the sensations within, your body will guide you you know, when you're in that birthing field. And then, you know, there's, there's the bigger, you know, metaphysical issues of like, what does birth mean? Our, our religious um, inheritance when it comes to birth is not very positive. And so whether or not you're, you know, practicing any particular religion or not, like to recognize that that inheritance still exists, that we have this widespread culture around like, you know, that story of Adam and Eve and, because of Eve's betrayal, we've been banished from the Garden of Eden and therefore women shall suffer forever in birth. Now, understood that there are variations of translations to that scripture, but that is our mythology around birth. Like birth is this moment that the divine is choosing to punish women as they're birthing the next generation. That's like horrifying to me. So really looking into those spiritual beliefs and then there's the medical models of do we need to be rescued? Like, is birth this emergency that we have to be saved from, rescued from, or like numbed out in order to survive? There's so many layers to birth preparation. And there's so many ways we've been trained to operate that are kind of at odds with what really supports birth um, and its highest form, highest expression, highest embodied state. Mm. I love everything that you're that you're sharing here. It's so important. 
Um, and I couldn't think of anything further away from the truth that um, birth is some kind of punishment. I mean, even looking into the anatomy of um, the female, the, the female uh, anatomy of arousal and birth being one and the same, and then mm-hmm. looking at the whole hormonal physiology of birth and sex being the same. I mean, to me, that's just the most exquisite and divine reminder that we are literally created to access the divine through our bodies, mm. through our embodied experience. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, bringing these pieces together. And then also something that you said about um, birth being a body-led experience and not a mind-led experience. And it's so true. So many of us live completely mind-led lives. So of course, birth is terrifying. Yeah. You know, because birth is not a mind-led event. And so we find ourselves in an experience that requires us to completely surrender our neocortex, our rational minds, our thinking brains. So scary. (laughs) It's so scary. And then this kind of primal force takes over and we become animal, Mm. right? And I think what's really interesting in, in that is that I think a lot of our current birth practices, kind of modern medical birth practices, just can't quite handle that. So of course, they can't handle the the kind of that magnificent primal yeah. immense force of birth. So of course, what what do you do when you can't face that 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 mirror or that part of you that you're not fully inhabiting? You you control it, you manage it, you measure it, you yeah, you focus on risk, you you focus on the problem rather than just being humble enough to just be in awe yeah yeah I think you know one of the frames that has really helped me convey to people that are like what are you talking about how is that possible you're crazy lady one of the frames that people seem to really get is through the lens of sex right so Mm -hmm. if you understand that you're birthing with the same anatomy hormones you know physiology as you have sex with then you can start to understand that, you know, like just like in the sexual experience, sex can be incredibly pleasurable and it can also be incredibly painful. Same body, same person, same anatomy, right? And so when you understand that and you really start to think about, okay, well, why would sex be painful? You know, maybe you don't feel safe. Maybe you're full of fear maybe you're not turned on, like maybe you're not engorged, maybe you're not ready, right? There's so many different reasons. And, you know, some of them are universal, some of them are more personal, but you can start to see, okay, I get it. Like it can be painful or pleasurable. And then when you think about like sex and orgasm and you think about, you know, like that primal kind of animal side, like you can start to understand that there's a certain level of like cortical control that you're dropping. You're going into an altered state. You're going into a trance state when you're really enjoying, you know, sexual pleasure, orgasm. And so birth is very similar to that. And so you can see how if you're really in your head during sex, that's going to limit your experience to a certain extent. Totally. Yeah. And then um, there was one other thing I wanted to share, which is slipping my mind. But yeah, really like starting to see birth through that portal of sexuality, I think can be really, really helpful in in understanding like the potential there Mm -hmm. oh i know what it was it was about um like shame i just did an interview with somebody it was interesting it was a dad he was talking about how um 
he and his partner wanted to have this kind of beautiful ecstatic birth experience. They wanted to use some of these tools of sensuality. And when they share that with their practitioner, their practitioner who was a midwife, like kind of like froze up. And then they felt so deeply ashamed, right? Like so deeply ashamed, like we're, they were doing something wrong. Um, and so I think that there is like, when you're thinking about birth preparation, when you're thinking about like transforming the culture of birth, there's like a really deep, journey that each of us has to take, whether you're the birthing person or you're the person supporting, you know, the family, you, you really have to consider like, are you comfortable with that phrase, birth is a sexual act? And can you really hold space for that with, you know, the mom, with the couple? Or if you notice that you're triggered within yourself, you have your own work to do. And similarly, for, you know, if you're pregnant and you're thinking about having a birth experience, like how do you feel in relation to your sexuality? How do you feel like, what's your ability to surrender like? What helps you feel safe? These are really, really big questions. Mm, absolutely. It reminds me um, of an interview we did with uh, a birth keeper from the UK, Nicola Godot. Mm. We interviewed her as part of, um, of the documentary. And, and um, I think my question to her, I'm trying to remember, was something like... Uh, what would you say to expectant parents who are considering, you know, to, to give birth either at home or in hospital? Like, what would you say to them? You know, she's got years and years of experience. She was like, well, I would look into where you orgasm. You know, <laughs> do you orgasm at home? Do you orgasm, you know, I don't know, on a plane? Like, what's your, like, where is it? Like, yeah. Where is it that you feel most open, you know, and comfortable? And, like, pay attention to that. That will tell you a lot about, you know, where, where the right place to give birth is for you uniquely. Yeah. yeah. So that was and brilliant. I also think it's important to say, because right now I think there is like growing awareness that, uh, oh, like home birth is better. Right. And mm -hmm. objectively, yes, like objectively, you're going to orgasm at home much more easily than you're going to orgasm in a hospital. But if you haven't done your inner work, if you haven't really looked your fears in the eye, if you mm -hmm. haven't really done your work to clear them, if you're still looking for kind of that safety net of the medical model, and you're choosing to give birth at home because you think it's the right answer, you're mm -hmm. also setting yourself up for a situation. So I think it's also really important for people to be aware that there actually isn't a right answer, that um, you really have to do your inner work and find the right answer for you. Mm, I absolutely agree. Absolutely. Um, actually, this came up in my conversation with Charles Eisenstein that these, these, there are so many deeply ingrained myths about birth. Mm. You know, that even families who you know are drawn drawn to the home birth, drawn to the family birth, the free birth, um, those myths, us, us, like they live at the core of our current understanding and perception of birth that, you know, I'm thinking of the, the myth that birth is inherently dangerous, mm -hmm. that the safest place to give birth is in a, ho is in a hospital, that uh, birth always requires medical attention and the interventions always lead to better birth outcomes for mothers and babies, like those live within us on a very subconscious level. So I absolutely agree. Yes, if, if we yeah. go ahead and have that home birth and those fears or beliefs are still very much alive in us, there's a lack of coherence. And then, of course, birth yeah. does tend to, to unfold in, yeah, all kinds of ways. 
Um, Thankfully, the science is catching up, right? I mean, like, we're really starting to understand, like, on a, an evidence-based way that actually, if you have one intervention, it's likely to lead to another, is likely to lead to another. We have plenty of science now to support doula care, which is more effective than any drug you could take, more effective than any intervention, right? So thankfully, I feel like we're finally in this place where even though we have kind of like that medical model, all of us ingrained within us, more and more so, if you are interested in having this like beautiful, primal, ecstatic birth experience, now you have the resources to kind of like support your rational thinking brain to get that part of you on board. And it's very funny. I often find like in couples, you know, there's the woman who's like very intuitive and she really wants to have this experience. And then, you know, the partner will be like, but what about safety? And what about safety? And so it's really helpful now that we have so many studies coming out to support, you know, what, what you're sharing in this documentary and this work that we're doing. Like it's very exciting. Mm, absolutely. One of our visions is to start to really dissolve some of these uh, birth myths, because as you say, we now can, we now have the evidence to yeah. begin to dissolve them. And I think it's only when these myths that are so deeply ingrained, as we've been saying, it's only once these myths begin to dissolve that we can really, truly like see beyond those myths into the field of possibilities, into what is possible for us. Yeah. Right. Um, I really want to go back to uh, to the the wisdom that birth is a sexual act, because when I was training with you within the ecstatic birth practitioner training, you had us say that out loud until until we meant it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Birth is a sexual act. And I would love you to uh, tell us more about that. And I think one of the greatest gifts for me um was Sherry Winston's work. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, a midwife turned sexual educator who, who who brings all that knowledge into her sex work mm -hmm. and actually really shows us in the most beautiful way that the female anatomy of arousal and the, and the anatomy of birth are one and the same. They are not separate. And I would yeah. love you to gift this missing piece to our audience um, that we all really need right now. Yeah, I mean... I don't, Sherry's work is incredible and revolutionary. And, you know, I love that she came by, you know, her, she's an award-winning sexual educator right now. Her book has won tons and tons of awards and she came to it through her midwifery practice. And what's really mm -hmm. glorious about um, the work that she's done and the way that she's mapped it is nobody has really mapped female anatomy to that degree maybe ever, right? You know, so all these MDs are going through medical school and they know nothing about our vestibular bulbs. They know nothing, right? Like the, the basic, <laughs> I love there's a movement um, called cliteracy. Um, oh, yes. Woman, she's an artist. Her name is Sophia Wallace. She's got this whole movement, cliteracy, like to really teach people about their clitorises. And she's got this amazing meme about like, you know, we put a man on the moon, but we did not discover the full anatomy of the clitoris until the 1990s, which is like mind blowing if you think about it. And it's still not being taught to our children in schools because we still very much have a functional model of our sexuality. So let's talk about birth as a sexual act. 
oh, this is actually what I wanted to share before. So I'm glad that you brought me back to this place, which is if you think about having sex, do you only receive pleasure at the end? Like, is it like, you know, we have this belief that like pleasure is the reward for a job well done. Like pleasure, you get it at the end of the rainbow. But if you think about the sexual act, like truly think about the sexual act, is there pleasure all along? Is pleasure part of the design? Of course it is, right? But somehow we have lost that in birth, mm -hmm. even though we're using the same anatomy, even though we're, you know, it, we're, we're tapping into like our reproductive system. It's the same part of our physiology. We have completely lost that in birth. Pleasure is the most holistic birthing tool that exists. And it's not really talked about. It's not really taught. This is a big part of my mission is in sharing this with everyone. So um, number one, the experience of pleasure stimulates oxytocin flow in your body. Pleasure can be hugging. It could be eye gazing. It could be cuddling. It could also be nipple stimulation. It could be orgasm. It could, right? Like, so there's a whole spectrum of pleasure is what I'm trying to say. And that stimulates oxytocin flow in the body. Oxytocin is the hormone that governs the, 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 the flow of labor, right? So if a woman is having trouble, uh, like the labor is taking a long time, pharmaceutical companies will give you Pitocin. Pitocin is the synthetic version of oxytocin. If you're, you know, if you haven't gone into labor yet and, you know, your OB is getting concerned, they'll give you Pitocin to jumpstart your labor. Again, this is the synthetic version of oxytocin. So you can give yourself oxytocin. One, it feels really good because it's brought about through pleasure, through connection, through love. Two, it actually will help with the progression of your labor. So that's like one major thing. The other is, you know, we have as much erectile tissue as men do. It's just all internal. So again, if you think about the sexual act, if you think about, um, you know, penetration, if you're not engorged, not wet, you know, not turned on, how would that feel? Like, ah, ouch, that would not feel very good. Uh -huh. Well, birth is the same thing, right? Like birth is the same experience, but just much bigger. And so even more important to have that like pleasure, that flow the whole way through. And to a certain extent, your body will do that. But given the conditions that most people are birthing in, given our disconnect from our bodies and our sexuality, not enough, right? So if your tissues are engorged, like really deeply engorged, you're able to open pretty wide. And not only does it not hurt, not only will it not burn, not only will you not rip, but it'll feel deeply satisfying, right? So that's the vestibular bulbs that surround the vaginal canal. There's that. There's also been um, studies about like how pressure on the G-spot actually desensitizes you to pain. Well, you can actually flip that. And there's been studies that show like as the baby's head descends, the pressure on the, the G-spot will actually desensitize you to pain. Well, yes. And most people are holding a lot of tension, a lot of stuff from their whole lives in their G-spot. But if you've done the inner work to release that, then not only will it desensitize you to pain, actually, it's going to be like really deeply pleasurable. So these are just a few of the spots. Um, another spot that Sherry articulates for us so beautifully is when you are in full arousal, your um, cervix kind of tilts and the backside of the vaginal canal 
can feel like really, really pleasurable with penetration. So that's why like sometimes if you're having sex and the penetration is very deep, it's going to hurt if you're not in full arousal. But if you're in full arousal, it can feel so deeply satisfying to have that deep penetration. And, you know, we had a midwife go through the training a few years back and now she's teaching midwives, which is so exciting. And she had this embodied experience in her own birth where, you know, after she like she's in that pushing phase and really feeling into that backside of the vaginal canal, she was amazed that it felt so good. It almost felt like she was cheating. And she teaches this now, not, not just to her, like her own birthing clients, but to her, you know, midwives in training. And I feel like these are things that everybody should know. And we don't because nobody has taught it to us. We're so dissociated from our bodies. You know, birth is so far gone from any connection or realm of sexuality. But like once you start to know these basic anatomical principles and then there's the whole piece about like the trance states, like the the layers of mm-hmm. entering into a deeper and deeper trance, which is profound for orgasm, but also profound for birth, right? So there's there's a lot that um, we need to get out there and and teach our, I think, our kids on a most basic level. I was so mad because when my my kids are teens now, mm-hmm. when they started receiving health education in school, the clitoris wasn't even mentioned, not even mentioned. And when I challenged the school, they said, well, many parents will object to even the discussion about pleasure. Um, I go in, I have a friend who teaches um, a child development class at a local public high school, and she invites me in every year to teach about birth and the physiology. And I will put up an anatomical model of the clitoris that includes, you know, the, the clitoral legs, like all the the shaft. And, and I'll ask them, does anybody know what this is? Nobody knows what it is. I'll say, how many times have you taken health class? At that point, they're usually in 11th or 12th grade, two, three times they've already had health class. And I'll ask them, how many of you have learned how to put a condom on a banana? And every single, every single hand is raised, right? So just, you know, we've come a long way, but we still have a very long way to go because even our kids who are going to be like the gener, you know, bringing forth the next generation in like 10, 20 years, they're still not getting this information. Mm. This brings me to something I can't even believe I've not told you yet. (laughs) I think I remembered it maybe after having trained with you or something, but I mean, this is, I don't know divine blessing i don't even know how this happened but i'm gonna i'm gonna share with you my first sex education class right Mm -hmm. it was in a forest school in france so maybe it's not too much of a surprise but it was given to us by a midwife Mm. so we were and this is just incredible to remember this i think the memory kind of comes and goes but we were in small groups so we had a, a small group of about maybe five to six girls, we were, we were young, we were about 10, 11, maybe max 12. And she was incredible. At some point, she said so gracefully, so beautifully, she said, oh, if you've ever, you know, felt the desire of like, you know, just exploring your anatomy and going within, you'll find that your internal anatomy is like the most soft and incredible part of your body, like literally, 
the heaven through which like a baby descends, right? I don't mm. think she said that much more, but I think what landed for us all after that class, I mean, that has like a lifelong mm. impact. Yeah. I mean, truly. And I'm just thinking if all girls were offered that, you know, because I think it was probably, you know, before we were really beginning to explore anything sexually, but it just seeded that, that feeling and that, yeah, that feeling that, that it's, it's not just absolutely fine to, you know, desire to explore your body, but that it's actually pretty divine, you know, to even have a body. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that I just feels so honoring and so sacred. And yeah, that's, you know, when we were talking about how ch childbirth education begins the day you were born, what a gift you were given at such a young age. And I think, again, it's like reflective of our own relationship as a society with sexuality. And, you know, where I live, we don't have a great relationship with sexuality. In general, there is a lot of fear, right? If we educate kids about their anatomy, what are they going to go do with it, right? But again, the studies have shown us cultures where they have like really beautiful sex education starting at a very young age. Actually, they have a lot less teen pregnancies. Uh, people are like much more honoring of their own bodies and, you know, the relationships they have with each other as opposed to cultures that are like, Shh, hide it, you know, like suppress this, that. So I think that's the most beautiful story I've ever heard. I'm so happy that you got that. Mm, and I wish that for everyone. I mean, yeah. I hope my my children receive that. I hope, I mean, I wish that for all, all children, absolutely. Um, and also, you know, this I know for sure that it seems that the awareness of the interrelationship between birth and sexuality was once, I mean, it seems like we've lost it yeah. rather than that we've forgotten it rather than are just kind of discovering something completely new, right? Because when I speak to uh, my teacher, traditional Mexican midwife, Angelina Martinez Miranda, she speaks of pleasure in birth as if it was the most natural thing. I mean, she's now in her 60s, 70s, you know, started attending births when, when she was eight. And she says, oh, whenever I see a partner just grabbing the birthing woman's breasts, mm. I just I just know that I, I need to do less. You know, I just I just give space and I know that they're exactly where they need they need to be. Mm. Um, and I'm thinking of this beautiful woman who was married to a Kishwa man from, um, from the Amazon that when she suffered from prolapse after her first birth, the women from his family kind of took him aside. So they didn't speak to her directly. They took him aside and they said, right, you need to give her an orgasm a day. And those really like really long ones, if we want to, mm. you know, kind of, restore her prolapse and heal her prolapse so I just thought this was incredible because clearly this knowledge has been around for a really long time and there seems to be a model in which the men were very much included in the postnatal healing right whenever there's prolapse you know instead of I mean I don't really know what women do these days you know pelvic floor exercises but what is the most not only pleasurable but probably most potent exercise for your pelvic floor is orgasm <laughs> and who wouldn't <laughs> rather have that than be doing kegels <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. And it seems to be wisdom that was once very well known. Yeah. Forgotten. But it makes so much sense, right? It's like when 
to me coming across your work was like ah oh, yes I feel like I've known this for a really long time because yeah. what actually drew me to birth work was somatic movements with my background mm -hmm. as a dancer I was mm -hmm. like oh I wonder how 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 I could kind of bring somatic movement which in essence is a body-led practice into birth practice into birth preparation and kind of just see how that would unfold for families you know mm -hmm. I really really felt really early on super young and like at 2021, I could see that there was this huge dissociation and yeah. that women were giving birth through their minds. And that just didn't make any sense to me. And so finding you just kind of brought everything together, it was like, yes, yes, birth preparation must be a body-led process, yeah. but also just bringing in that piece of the kind of sensuality, sexuality being uh, a deeply interrelated part yeah. of of life really I mean of birth but also life <laughs> yeah and I just want to like really affirm that movement is such a phenomenal tool in birth not everyone's going to feel comfortable uh in their birth preparation not everyone's going to get to that place where they really feel comfortable with their own sexuality to be able to you know put their hand on their clit or like be overtly sexual but you know movement I think is a very accessible tool and movement mm -hmm can be so wonderful in um, like navigating intensity, right? So I'm like, I think a lot of natural birth prep centers around this idea of like surrender, 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 which is fine, you know, when the contractions are like in the early stage of labor, but then when it gets really intense, movement is a phenomenal tool. Like I, I experienced that in my third birth of feeling like the contractions were a dance partner like they would just kind of come and like move my body and overtake me and like leave me pulsing on the floor mm -hmm. and that was a huge revelation for me because in so much of my birth preparation it was all about surrender well here i could surrender but through my movement and it felt so good so mm -hmm. good so yeah mm -hmm. i think that overwhelmingly we have a long way to go with our relationship to sexuality i've had plenty of clients that were able to you know really do that work so that they could tap into like their sexual bodies but i really want people to know that even if you're not there like even if you're not in that place where you can you know fully own birth as a sexual act that there's so many other ways that you can connect with your body that feel really good, like really just pleasure as a big wide spectrum um, is available to us all. And uh, a lot of what we've talked about is like that inner sensual expansion journey, but it is so simple to literally just give yourself the sensation of pleasure in birth. And, you know, movement is one, singing is another, you know, I've had, I've had clients that were able to use their voice to really release the intensity and that can feel like rapturous. So I just really want everyone to know that even if you're like, Ooh, like sexuality, like that's really triggering you. It's okay that there's still plenty of ins to be able to really tap into pleasure as a holistic birthing tool. Mm, that's so important. Thank you, Sheila. Yeah. Um, and something that's really at the core of, of this documentary and um, I'd love you I'd love to hear your thoughts on this is how 
What do you feel are the ripple effects? And, and you mentioned this really early mm. on. What do you feel are the ripple effects of an ecstatic birth, not only for mothers, but for partners and babies mm. and then society at large? Yeah, I mean, I think that anyone that's listening to this can already see how talking about birth, like we've touched on so many aspects, right? Like we've touched on our relationship to our bodies, our relationship to our sexuality, our spirituality, like our empowerment or disempowerment in relation to authority. So there's so much here. And I tend to look at things from the perspective of the mom. There's plenty, plenty of research that has already shown that the imprint of birth on a somatic, like the limbic, the nervous system on the baby has a huge effect on the health of the baby over the course of a lifetime and possibly even generations. That mm -hmm. research is already there. I tend to look at things from the perspective of the mom because I think that um, as mothers-to-be, as parents, like we're constantly kind of like self-abdicating for our children. I think that's the general trend. Obviously, everyone's different. but um, And I think it can feel really hard to be like, oh, I didn't give my baby like the best possible, you know, outcome in birth and and then we feel guilty and whatever. But here's the thing is that the well-being of the baby and the well-being of the mom and the well-being of, you know, the, the partner, it's all really intertwined, right? So I think overwhelmingly as a culture, we're very obsessed with like making sure the baby is great, right? And, and to an extent, it's like, that's why we're C-sectioning left and right, which by the way, that is not optimal for long-term health of the baby either, because there's a lot that happens in the birthing process um, that, you know, we're finding that the baby actually needs. But I really want, you know, expectant moms, families to start to think about like their own being, because if you're self-abdicating, that's not going to go anywhere good. And yeah, you might get the baby out in a ideal way, but <clears throat> you're needed well beyond that moment of birth. And so when we talk about birth experiences that are ecstatic, that are empowering, that are transcendent, there's an elevation that's happening for the whole family. You know, it's one thing to walk out of a birth experience with a healthy baby, but you're feeling traumatized, victimized, disempowered, dissociated, you know, from your body. That's going to affect how you mother your capacity to mother going forward. I know I was there. Um, and I also know like the power of love to heal. And I have no qualms about like the long-term health of that baby in my family because I was able to experience that. But if you're able to have a birth experience that one really connects you to your body and your intuition, I mean, that's going to serve you in motherhood and beyond, like your baby can't tell you what it needs. And then, you know, as it grows, you're going to get advice from so many different people. And often that advice is going to be conflicting. And so if you're trying to navigate everything from up here, it's going to be hell. So really learning to navigate from this place of like what feels right, what's right for me, what's right for my family, what's right for my baby. And then also there's like the innate vibrance that you get when you have a birth experience that you come out of feeling like healthy and strong 
and empowered. Like you have this incredible vibrance and vitality to your being that will also affect your motherhood. It'll affect your relationship with your partner. It'll, you know, it'll overflow into how you care for your baby. So, I mean, I think that the possibilities are really, really endless. But when I I remember when I first started learning about birth and people would talk about like, we have the capacity to shift in one generation. And I was like, what are you nuts? But I actually, the more I do this work, the more I know it's true. The more I know it's true. Like if you can really hold that possibility in your mind, like if you can really hold this idea and start to vision into what would it mean for babies to have like a beautiful, like loving oxytocin filled like orgasmic you know pleasure empowerment like entry into the world and to have parents and a family that can really like nurture from that place that place of like strength and overflow as opposed to you know like trying to heal and you still have to give like you can really when you vision into that you can really start to see how the possibilities for our future are limitless. You know, I, I say like it could be the exact medicine that we need for the future of the planet. And so I think that this work of supporting, you know, moms, babies, families, and birth is really, really, really important and really powerful and um, really, really needed. Mm. Mm. And I feel so absolutely devoted to this work and I'm so grateful that I find you I, I really truly feel like you're you're my teacher and I've received so much from you and I mm. continue receiving so much from you so thank you so much Sheila for everything you've shared yeah and, um, you're welcome I'm like so excited to see you forging your path your unique way of transforming the culture for me like that's the biggest gift ever I, I'm rooting for you like cheering you on yes let's do this let's share this with people i'm so excited about this project mm, thank you so much sheila and as i was saying earlier on you know i think it's there's a beauty in knowing that it's possible so i'm sure a lot of our viewers have a better sense now through watching our conversation of what is possible that but then there's the whole journey right and there's only so much we can cover yeah. in this conversation so i just really want to make it clear that I'm absolutely devoted to giving you all a sense mm. a felt sense of what is possible through pregnancy birth and the postnatal period through the actual lived experiences of people who are choosing to give birth in these ways and to also see kind of have a, a sense of how how birth keepers like Sheila and I prepare uh, couples and families for for an ecstatic birth for a birth experience is way beyond what our mind could ever possibly <laughs> plan mm -hmm. for or comprehend, right? So, um, so yes, we are crowdfunding this film. The reason for that is that we want to keep it as independent as possible and we want full creative autonomy over what ends up in the documentary film. We have eight days to reach our funding goal. Mm -hmm. If you've been moved by this conversation, uh, please head to birthandnewstory.com. All contributions are deeply valued. And I really, I really believe and I love this idea that we can all come together and yeah, create this new story of birth together. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Sheila. Thank you. This was amazing. Yeah. Thanks a lot.